Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're going to talk about our relationship with alcohol. You know, we started our relationship with alcohol as humans because it made us feel less likely to starve to death. And over time, we gained the ability to stand upright. And eventually, somewhere along the line, we also started getting drunk from alcohol, not just fat. And also, today, alcohol is the most widely consumed intoxicant on the earth. So we spend over a trillion dollars a year worldwide to get our buzz on and for the sacred purposes of mere drunkenness. And so even Christian churches use wine as the uh, resemblance of the blood of God or the blood of Christ. So the ancient Greeks and the Romans took the opposite tack. They turned their alcohol into a god, Dionysus, and there's also absolutely no drug on earth that our species has carried further or invested more creatively in than alcohol. And it all started because of the thing called fermented palm nectar. Palm trees are almost enough to make one believe the existence of booze, loving God, because the, uh, the palm, which calls uh, Bertum palm, uh, favored uh, 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 these creatures and that were basically called a tree shrew. And it secretes a constant flow of nectar into hundreds of little flowers during the month, half of which is pollen. And the flowers are colonized by a sort of yeast, which ferments the nectar. And so that fermenting would create what's called beer. It also, uh, palm syrup is, is, uh, is very, very quick to ferment. It only takes a day to pretty much ferment uh, anything that's created with palm nectar, and, or at least with the yeast of that. And so historically, that's how people love to have alcohol. Also, they used alcohol as a pain reliever, an antiseptic, and even today, some medical professions encourage a very moderate addition of alcohol to the diet to promote certain types of health. Wine and other spirits also play a role in our religious customs, uh, especially with the Eucharist. And we've always had it. According to a, a study by the PNAS, alcohol metabolism appeared in our primate ancestors between 7 and 21 million years ago. Talk about it being in our genes. The problem is, is that it is in our genes, and it's always been in our genes. And it's so funny because back in the 20s, they decided, oh, well, now we have public water that's safe. So we don't need bars anymore. We don't need alcohol because alcohol was the safest form of drink that we could not get sick from, from the bacteria that was in it. And so, basically, people drank themselves to death. And unfortunately, when the 20s, when they banned alcohol called prohibition, uh, that prohibition, basically, people couldn't stand living without it because it was in their genes so deeply. And so people craved alcohol. They had to have it. So we had speakeasies and hidden bars and places and people running liquor illegally. All that stuff happened, and then all of a sudden alcohol was brought back because you can't do without it. You know, understanding the risks and the health benefits of alcohol is very confusing, and it's understandable because the evidence for moderate alcohol use in healthy adults isn't certain. So there's a lot of research that that, but they know little about the risks and benefits of moderate alcohol use in adults. But also, uh, any potential benefits of alcohol are relatively small. We know that, and they may not apply to all people. And oftentimes, if you tie alcohol to a person and they start to, to drink a lot, they also eat a lot. And so their diet is under, not under control, so they get fat. And so a lot of us get fat under alcohol, and it is a pervasive problem that creates the thing called alcoholism. And alcoholism is a real challenge. So let's just look at the, 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 the closer look at alcohol and your health. Moderate alcohol use generally means up to one drink a day for women and up to two drinks a day for men. You know, an example of one drink would be a 12 fluid ounce of beer or five fluid ounces of wine. 
distilled spirits would be 1.5 ounces. And so here's the pros and cons. Moderate alcohol consumption may provide some health benefits, uh, like reducing your risk of developing and dying of heart disease, reducing your risk of uh, ischemic stroke uh, when the arteries uh, to your brain become narrowed or blocked and cause severe uh, uh, reduced blood flow. Also, it's possible that it reduces some sorts of diabetes. However, eating a healthy diet and being physically active have a much greater benefits and have been much more extensively studied. So you have to keep in mind, moderate alcohol use isn't risk-free. For example, even light drinkers who have no more than one drink a day have a tiny but real increased risk of some cancers. Um, and drinking and driving is never a good idea. That can wreck your life, your reputation, and everything that you stand for, uh, including your personal integrity. Also, also the risks of heavy alcohol use, while moderate uh, may offer uh, some sort of, of thing to help us, but binge drinking and heavy drinking are never a good thing. And some people drink in binges and other people drink every day. You know, heavy or high drinking is defined as more than three drinks on any other, any day, or more than seven drinks a week for women and for men age 65. More than four drinks on any day or more, or or uh, four drinks in a week, or 14 drinks in a week for men or uh, age 65 and younger is a heavy drinking problem. You know, binge drinking is like four or more drinks within two hours for women five or more drinks within two hours for men. And excessive drinking can increase your risk of health problems like cancer, pancreatitis, sudden death, you know, with cardiovascular disease, heart muscle damage, stroke, high blood pressure, liver disease, suicide, accidental injuries or death, brain damage, and other problems uh, in unborn children if you're pregnant, God forbid. And also, it, 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 it's really interesting because then there's this thing called alcohol withdrawal syndrome. And when to avoid alcohol in certain situations, the risk of alcohol may outweigh the possible health benefits. You know, if you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant, not a good idea. If you've been diagnosed with alcoholism or alcohol addiction or you have a strong family history of alcoholism, there's a good chance you're going to be one. You know, if you have, a, have had a stroke before, not a good idea. If you have liver or pancreatic diseases, or if you have a heart failure or been told to have that you have a weak heart, never a good idea to be drinking a lot of alcohol. If you take prescriptions, over-the-counter medications that can interact with alcohol, like an antidepressant, never, ever a good idea. If you don't drink alcohol, don't start, because the potential benefits are terrible. However, if you drink a light to moderate amount and you're healthy, you can probably continue as long as you drink responsibly. So you want to check with your doctor if it's okay to be drinking responsibly. But the truth is nobody needs alcohol to live. So regardless of what you heard or want to believe, alcohol is not essential in our diets. We consume alcohol to relax, to socialize, to celebrate, and we also have dietary cravings for alcohol. So, you know, here's the thing that you have to ask, why do you drink? You know, why in the world do we have to do the drinking of alcohol? Number one on the list is past experiences with alcohol help shape people's current value and expectations that they place on drinking alcohol. Especially when you're a pack animal, like most teenagers, uh, they're trying to impress each other. So they drink a lot of alcohol if they're allowed. And unfortunately... Uh, as the pack animals, they tend to form the habits of drinking and coping with all their teenage problems through their drinking and then on to drugs and whatever else it leads to because it is a gateway. And so alcohol users may recall their previous positive experiences with alcohol, especially if they're at a party and they had sex for the first time or they did something crazy. You know, that's great that you have that memory, but that's maybe not something you want to hang your hat on. And uh, this also... Uh, my, this this uh, glamorizing of the days when you used to drink uh, may actually motivate you to drink more. And, uh, you know, so maybe opposite of that would be negative experiences. Why don't you start thinking about all the things that you have destroyed in your life because of alcohol? There's a lot of them, and some people are proud, and they'll never apologize for what they did when they were drunk. And it's sad. 
Also, stress is a big indicator of drinking. People going through a stressful period in their life may value drinking alcohol more highly because it helps them alleviate their negative feelings. So the drinking removes, at least temporarily, the stress of anxiety. Also, then there's this social norm. Oh, we just go out after work or we go, we just do this on the weekends. So social norms are the behavioral expectations within a community. So people that like to go bar hopping. You know, alcohol is used at specific things like concerts, regular times, for example. If you have a regular schedule, for example, that is inductive of creating alcoholism because your body craves it at that time if you have a pattern of drinking at that particular time. There's a lot of five o'clock drinkers, and unfortunately, that five o'clock is the time when they go, wow, I've got to get some alcohol in my body. So, you know, unfortunately, people that are miserable in their life, that they look at their job as a trap, and they look at their family as a trap, that their marriage is a trap, are going to want to escape. And those people are at risk for drinking alcohol. We are not victims. We have families and people that are happy actually understand that what they have is something they used to dream of having. That's called appreciation. A job may provide opportunities for you in this life, and you want to focus on those rather than how much you hate your job. You know, also environment. Exposure to alcohol-related cues increases the craving for alcohol. For example, TV programs, advertisements at events, you know, financial influences such as taxations makes drinking less attractive. So evidence shows that simply raising the price of an alcoholic beverage by 10% reduces alcohol consumption by 7%. Isn't that amazing? I think it's incredible. Maybe we should raise it more. You know, this is a very simple reason, the accessibility. People drink because alcoholic drinks are quite accessible. You can get them almost anywhere, on any, any convenience store. Wherever you go, they're convenient. They're there. And, and you can just reach out and touch, and off you go to the races. In most families, drinking alcohol is a very common thing among adults. Also, alcohol is readily available in most supermarkets. And so we have to understand that drinking, especially after COVID, is driving our society. No wonder we're making so many drunkenly stupid decisions in this life, especially our politicians who are probably drinking every night. You know, some uh, drink alcohol to be a rebel. They want to defy the rules and show that they are different from all other people. And this is often seen among young people, especially teenagers who are in the process of growing up and the adolescence factor involved in that, that it's a power differential. See, I can drink alcohol and you can't. And then they compare themselves to how well they tolerate the alcohol because it's all just a big game. You know, peer pressure is one of the most prominent reasons for drinking among people of all categories. Being afraid that you might be isolated or discarded from a group of people and doing an activity is a major reason why a person continues to drink. Teenagers especially are more vulnerable to being affected by this, which can make them become addicted as they're being pressurized to drink more than they want. Also, people drink for fun, generally tend to drink alcohol in order to have the buzz. Being drunk makes them feel happy and spirited, and they forget their problems, and drinking alcohol with friends can be a fun experience. Not for everybody, but if people are nervous in social situations, drinking helps them relax, have more fun, and so there's the reinforcement to drink. People drink to have fun at parties, at nightclubs, barbecues, and more because they think alcohol enhances the experience. Unfortunately, it does enhance your memory. It does enhance your experience because you probably won't remember it. So what are some signs of a high-functioning alcoholic? We're going to look into that in this next break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and talk about the alcoholic signs. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com. 
or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Are we talking about our relationship to alcohol? You know, there are a lot of signs of a high-functioning alcoholic. It doesn't mean they don't risk of hurting themselves or others as a result of drinking, but a lot of people get killed. They get in the car and they drive. They get on a motorcycle, they drive. They get in a truck, they drive. Semi, drive. And guess what? People get killed. People get hurt. It's unfortunate, but we lose our judgment when we drink. And so we have to be very careful to understand if you're going to drink, Drink responsibly. But here's some signs of an alcoholic. They drink instead of eat. It's not uncommon to see high-functioning alcoholics replace meals with a few drinks. They tend to lose all interest in food and instead use mealtime as an excuse to start drinking again. Also, their behavior changes significantly while drinking. This is another sign. You know, they, they may change significantly while drinking by the way they talk. Usually a calm person may become outgoing, aggressive, and even angry or impulsive uh, when consuming alcohol. The, the, the personality actually changes because they come from a more brainstem-oriented uh, part of their brain than they do from the executive functioning, which is your prefrontal cortex, in the front of your brain. And, and they can't have just one drink. That's another sign. Despite saying they're going to have just one drink, high-functioning alcoholics are unable to limit their alcohol consumption. They tend to drink heavily while at a party or a bar. And when it comes to the last, they, they quickly down their drink. Then they run, the bar, uh, run to the bar with another order right at the last minute. You know, also high-functioning alcoholics will finish the drinks of others and never leave a drink on the table. Another sign of an alcoholic is they frequently black out after drinking. Many alcoholics take part of activities that they have no recollection of the next day. Dancing on bars, going home with strangers, doing drugs, having sex, having an affair, and more. Abusing your children. You know, at the time, they may not seem extremely intoxicated, but when asked about their behavior the next day, they don't remember what happened. They also have an explanation for why they drink. Many alcoholics use denial and aggression as their chosen way of avoidance. You know, but others have a seemingly rational explanation for their behavior. They say things like, well, I drink because there's no such, uh, there's so much stress at work, or my kids are driving me crazy, or my wife hates me, or my husband doesn't talk to me. You know, it's always something that causes them to drink external, by the way, whether it's stress at work, problems at home, abundance of social activities. And by the way, that's a form of narcissism, blaming everybody and making yourself the victim. Unfortunately, they drink the alcohol instead, and then they destroy everybody else around their life, including their own. You know, high-functioning alcoholics typically joke about their drinking. They say things like, we can't let these drinks go to waste, or rehab is for quitters. You know, they laugh about how much alcohol they consume on a daily basis, and they try to make light of a serious situation. But in reality, 
they're in deep denial about the reality of their addiction. Also, many alcoholics hide their alcohol. When they know other people are going to be around, high-functioning alcoholics may sneak a drink early, drink before going out to the bar, or drink alone. And they also may sneak drinks from a bottle in their desk or a car. I had a grandfather that did that, by the way, and died as an alcoholic of a heart attack at 52. You know, uh, it's amazing, but uh, this hidden drinking and secretive lifestyle is a huge red flag when it comes to alcoholism, and it shouldn't be ignored. Also, uh, the experience of shame over their behavior. Uh, Because concealment is a huge part of their addiction, high-functioning alcoholics feel shame and remorse after incidents where their behavior is, uh, is sloppy after drinking. And this type of reckless behavior isn't part of the image they've worked so hard to create. And in turn, they work harder to avoid mistakes in the future. So what happens is these guys live in a lot of guilt and shame because they do and say a lot of stupid things to a lot of people, especially now that we're in the day and age of voicemails and texts. People will leave these long, drunken texts or long, drunken voicemails, and those are the things that your loved ones and friends are going to remember Outside of the few memories they may cherish of having with you, they're still going to remember those traumatic moments. And you have to understand that that becomes a part of your package when you die. That's your legacy. You know, another common sign of high-functioning alcoholics is they're able to separate their drinking from other parts of their life. You know, who are they when they're at home? Work with casual acquaintances is completely different from who they are when they're on the routine of drinking. And we have to be very careful of understanding these signs. You know, uh, the, the, also another sign of an alcoholic is they, they fail when they try to quit. And at some point, high-functioning alcoholics have tried to quit drinking but fail in their attempt. And this pattern is often repeated. And you may notice that they go through periods where they drink heavily and then they make an attempt to quit. And even though they continuously go through the cycle, they still refuse to seek treatment. And so this is a part of the personality where they feel like they can handle their drinking on their own without getting help from others. You know, there's a lot of things that we have to understand that that are risk factors for alcoholism. There's a history of trauma. There's peer influence. These are signs of, of what will cause a person to drink, impulsive personalities, family history of alcoholism, history of other substance abuse, presence of underlying mental health disorders like depression and anxiety. You know, the other problem is if they learn to drink at an early age before 15, they have a major risk, 26% of being a either uh, a, a alcohol abuser or an alcoholic. And a 14% chance they're going to be a binge drinker because that's what kids do. They drink until they're drunk. And, uh, and they don't know when they're drunk because they haven't been drunk before. So let's look at this. We have a lot of prideful people in this world, and they want their home remedies. So we'll just start with that. The best ways to stop drinking naturally is to make lifestyle changes. Start by eating healthy and exercising. God forbid you take care of yourself. Make sure you get plenty of sleep. Practice relaxation, such as yoga or meditation, where you allow yourself to get to know what your thoughts are. You actually, in meditation and prayer, you oftentimes witness your thoughts, which is a wonderful thing to help you correct yourself. You also get a vision of where you want to be compared to where you are, and that is another way of learning how to self-correct. But you're not going to do that in a drunken stupor. You know, uh, avoid triggers that might lead to drinking alcohol. So that's the thing that if you want to do it naturally, you need to figure out what are the times, dates and moments. What are the contexts of what creates the want to drink? What are the times that you give yourself permission to drink based on certain environmental or personal triggers? You know, there's the herbal teas or supplements oftentimes can help. You know, many herbs have been traditionally for centuries to help support sobriety and reduce cravings for alcohol. And the herbs can take uh, be taken alone or in combination with natural remedies like lemon juice and honey. You know, herbal teas such as chamomile, uh, valerian root, lavender, passion flower, especially helpful in reducing anxiety and helping re- you relax without consuming alcohol. Supplements like omega-3 fatty acids, B vitamins. Vitamin C can also reduce 
cravings. So if you're looking for something that doesn't involve ingesting a substance, there's also strategies that can help you here too. You know, uh, uh, you want to understand if you're going to get off of alcohol, you have to detox safely. It's important to note that home remedies should never be used as a substitute for professional medical advice. If you're experiencing severe withdrawal symptoms or trying to quit drinking after years of alcohol, you really need to seek help from a doctor or an addiction specialist before you get off it because the withdrawal symptoms can be enormously destructive and enormously dangerous for your health. Detoxing without medical supervision uh, has severe side effects. Some people even die from it. However, if you're looking for natural ways to reduce cravings and make lifestyle changes, that's going to help you stay sober in the long run. You know, and it may be that home remedies are beneficial. You know, so what should treatment? Treatment for alcohol addiction is a long process. It's an addiction. It involves more than simply stopping drinking. It requires us to make changes in your lifestyle, understand what your triggers are, understand that you're going to have cravings, and understand how to deal with those cravings. And those are strategies that you have to learn. You also have to learn how to get support from people who understand what you're going through. And treatment should include individual and group therapy like Celebrate Recovery or AA, which are really good things to help you, or even a therapist if you go see a therapist that specializes in this. However, if you're, you know, if you're trying to make these these changes, a comprehensive treatment plan that incorporates home remedies like healthy eating, exercise, herbal tea, supplements, journaling, talking with support uh, with friends can help you get on the path to recovery and reach your goals of sobriety. You have to have some sense of accountability if you're seriously going to handle uh, getting off of alcohol. The journey towards sobriety is not easy. But it's possible if you have good care and good support. You know, home remedies like natural supplements, herbal teas can be helpful because they reduce cravings and they also help you manage difficult emotions. But you also need to have people help you cognitively. And that's your friends or other people who've suffered, other people who've recovered, or maybe somebody who's a professional. And you have to realize that alcohol cravings can be caused by a whole bunch of factors, including uh, uh, physical dependence, psychological addiction, environmental triggers, even genetics. So it's important to understand what may be causing your cravings in order to effectively manage and stay sober. If you're struggling with alcohol cravings, it's best to seek help help from a healthcare professional or a treatment center. They can provide you with support and resources to break free from the cycle of addiction and live a healthier life with alcohol. When you have cravings of alcohol, it means that your body and your mind are responding to an urge to drink. And this can be caused by physical dependence or psychological addiction or your genetics. And they can be triggered by the environmental cues like the sight of a bar or a stressful situation. And you have to understand, I have to figure out how to manage that. You know, your body uh, is, is, is a wonderful thing, but it really does have dietary cravings. And a lot of alcohol is full of wheat and barley and, and you know, potatoes and all kinds of different uh, carbs and all kinds of different some grapes, things that we crave in our regular diet. And we have to understand that they incorporate those things. You know, the urge to drink does not completely go away. And if you think it does, it doesn't. You have to manage it over time. And this requires making lifestyle changes, learning coping skills, getting support. And you got to do that honestly. And you have to do that with integrity. You know, if you find yourself wanting to drink every day, it could be a sign of physical dependence or psychological addiction. Surprise, surprise. And that could be caused by a whole bunch of factors, including genetics, environment, lifestyle choices. You know, if you want to manage the urge, you need to reach out for help because you're not always going to be able to do it yourself. Also, you have to understand, you know, mental illness like depression can make you crave alcohol. This is because you just want to escape your problems because all your decisions are made emotionally when you're depressed. And that means you're always second guessing everything that you do because you made the decision emotionally. And so unfortunately, we as people... Uh, will numb our pain 
of making decisions while we were drinking and try to forget everything that we did while we were uh, depressed. And that can lead to a lot of dependence over time, and it may actually replace your antidepressant and become what you're addicted to. You know, if you find yourself in with, with uh, depressive symptoms or cravings for alcohol, it's important to understand that's a time to get help. You know, there are many things other than alcohol that can help calm your cravings. For example, exercise, yoga, meditation, sports, journaling, art therapy, listening to music can reduce your stress, podcasts, books. Can't you do something else with your time? Can't you exercise and listen to a book at the same time and learn something? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we did things that are constructive? Self-love is learning how to say no to things that hurt you. If you want to curb your cravings for alcohol, you want to do those things like yoga and meditation, journaling. But you also want to stay connected with your friends and your family for support, admitting that you have a struggle with alcohol. You also want to take time to explore what, what activities bring you joy and try to incorporate them into your daily routine. Maybe you gave up golfing for a long time or bowling or something fun or going to a baseball game or going to, to, to going out rowing in the, in the water or going sailing. You know, maybe there's things that you've forgotten that you used to do that you no longer can do because you're spending so much time consuming alcohol. You also want to drink uh, uh, herbal teas, as I said before, but you also want to avoid places and situations that trigger the craving for alcohol. And you want to talk to someone that you can trust, that you find yourself struggling with cravings so they can help promote some support of how they get through these situations. You know, and the other thing is people that don't sleep are going to be irritated. People that don't sleep very well are going to be at risk for drinking again. So we want to be very mindful of understanding our sleep is a serious thing if we're trying to get off alcohol. We also, mindfulness, like deep breathing and prayer, visualization, help you stay in the present moment and be aware of your thoughts and feelings and physical sensations. So the physical moment, that is the meaning of life. The moment you're in, if you can connect with the moment you're in right now, without thinking about the past, without thinking about the future, you will understand what it is to be mindful. That means you connect in the moment. And that's it. And if we could do that, that is the meaning of life. That creates meaning in life by being fully available and present with whom or whatever we are in company of. So important to do that. But people that drink are, are never mindful. They're never in the present. They're always in themselves. And they're always out for themselves. And so we, we need to understand that it's a serious problem, and it can truly impact a family in many, many different ways. If your children see you drunk, what do you think that leaves them an image of? If they've seen you start a fire or, or do something stupid like fall down the stairs or fall down uh, because you black out, they don't know what happened. They don't know what's going on, and they know that there's a big problem. You know, and it's really scary for a kid to be around somebody that drinks alcohol because if their mood shifts, you never know what you're going to get. You may have the nicest person at first, and then all of a sudden they're a roaring drunk in, in, an hour later. And that's a scary thing for people. It's hard to be married to somebody that is an alcoholic because their personality shifts, their ability to remember shifts, their ability to adapt is horrible. They can't drive. And you're not safe because they're drunk. And even if somebody else were to break in your house and rob you, uh, guess what? The drunk's not going to help you. It's really sad that people will let this get in the way of their life. But we do that. And it's understandable. But it's something that we need to tackle as a civilization. We need to be very serious about. It's amazing that we found alternatives to smoking. Why can't we find alternatives to drinking? You know, it, it, it's if we're we need to measure how much alcohol are we drinking and how much money are we spending on the alcohol. All right, so we're going to talk about how to curb this thing in just a few moments. So come right back. Change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. 
Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're, we're, we're talking about our relationship to drinking. It sounds like I've been drinking, by the way I just spoke. Um... Anyway, we really need to understand how to curb this thing. And there's a lot of recommendations out there about how to get better control of it. And here's some pretty sly ways to do that. You know, put it in writing. Make a list of the reasons to curtail your drinking, such as feeling healthier, sleeping better, improving certain relationships with certain people so that it can motivate you. Maybe it's a performance thing. Maybe it's increasing your ability to perform. Also, you want to set a goal, set a limit on how much you'll drink. You should keep your drinking below the recommended guidelines, no more than one standard drink per day for women and men ages 65 and older. Also, no more than two standard drinks per day for men under 65. These limits may be too high for people who have certain medical conditions or for some older adults, but your doctor can help you determine what's right for you. The other thing is to keep a diary. And this is really smart of your drinking. You know, three to four weeks, keep track of every time you have a drink, including information about what and how much you drank as well as where you were. Compare this to your goal. And if you're having trouble sticking to your goal, discuss it with your doctor or another health professional, or you may think about shifting your environment. The other thing is not to keep alcohol in your house. Having no alcohol at home can limit your drinking, obviously. Obviously, drink slowly. Sip your drink. Drink soda or water or juice after having an alcoholic beverage. Never drink on an empty stomach. These are very simple things to understand. So, if you drink a beer, drink a beer, then drink a tall glass of water. And then, if you want to drink another beer, drink another beer, but drink another tall glass of water. That's the way to do it. You don't want to just keep drinking alcohol as your main drink. It is not water. It has an affect on you, and you have to understand it may go down well, but it doesn't do well in the body. You also want to choose alcohol-free days. Decide not to drink a day or two each week. You may want to abstain for a week or a month to see how you feel emotionally without alcohol in your life. So taking a break could be a good way to start drinking less. And also, you want to watch for peer pressure. Practice ways to say no politely. You know, you do have to, you don't have to drink just because others are. You shouldn't feel obligated to accept every drink that you're offered. Stay away from people who encourage you to drink. Never a good idea. You also want to keep busy. Take a walk, play sports, go out to eat, catch a movie. When you're at home, pick up a new hobby or revisit an old hobby. Painting, board games, playing a musical instrument, woodworking. These are activities are great alternatives to drinking. 
Another way to curb it is to ask for support. Cut down your drinking may not always be easy, but let your friends and family know that you are in need of their support. You know? And also, you want to guard against temptation. That's the big one. You want to steer clear of people in places that make you want to drink. If you associate drinking with certain events like making dinner or holidays or vacations or develop a plan for managing them in advance, monitor your feelings, and when you're worried and lonely and angry, you may be tempted to reach for a drink. So try to cultivate new, healthy ways to cope with stress. You also want to be persistent because most people who successfully cut down and stop drinking altogether, do so after several attempts. And you have to understand, it's like falling down. You fall down and you get back up. You got to have that resiliency within you. You know, there's no final endpoint, as the process usually requires an ongoing effort. But going back to detox, you know, if you're going to get, you got to get rid of the alcohol in your home if you're going to detox. Be sure to look everywhere because alcoholics will hide bottles and forget that they did which causes unfortunate surprises they find a bottle and then they drink you know remove every last bottle before starting to self detox if you're going to do it home your home needs to be safe secure completely free of temptation when your cravings kick in next you need to clear your schedule for a period of time because if you want to successfully detox, you have to take some time from work and responsibilities to focus on your upcoming recovery. So you determine a period of time you'll need, generally related to the severity of your drinking problem. And you finally want to be sure you're not detoxing at home alone. Not a good idea. You should enlist a friend or a family member to be there with you in order to keep you safe and secure through the process and help you with your family. You know, if your withdrawal symptoms get too severe or out of control, they can take you to get medical attention. Isn't that okay? You know, there's also a wide variety of natural home remedies. You know, they celebrate the process. Uh, the most effective ones is uh, uh, to get is grapes. Drink grape juice instead of wine. If you're going to drink wine, drink grape juice. Whenever the urge strikes, drink a glass of grape juice or pop a few grapes in your mouth if you're a wino. They're rich in potassium. They actively work to stimulate your kidneys, not to mention work to clean your liver free from toxins. So physical exercise is also key to breaking the cycle of addiction. Many studies reveal that physical exercise actually serves as an even greater purpose for heavy drinkers. It helps prevent brain damage and a loss of cognitive functions. And so, you know, everything from stress Mood, depression, cravings, and sleep are regulated by, guess what, physical exercise, which is why getting outside for a brisk walk, a bike ride, a Peloton ride, a swim is crucial to your recovery. You also, uh, many people swear by other home remedies to stop drinking alcohol. It includes laxative herbs, which help detoxify the body, which offsets cravings for sugar and alcohol. Uh, cayenne regulates your appetite. Bounces out your digestion, smooth, smooths your anxiety. Uh, it also provides a kick to relieve the symptoms of alcohol withdrawal. Cayenne. Yes, cayenne. Consumed raw celery has sobering effects and ends alcohol and sugar cravings on its own. Vitamin B is widely regarded as a substitute for alcohol. It does everything from improve the quality of sleep to improve withdrawal symptoms. You know... The effects of alcohol is really what we have to examine. And alcohol can affect your health in many ways. You know, and, and we have to understand that it disrupts sleep, it disrupts your digestion, you get memory problems, and if you're old and drink, God forbid, it may trigger you to move off into uh, whatever uh, delusional disorder you may have or or anything else, any other medical uh, situation that your brain may have predisposed to. You know, at some time, you have to explore that relationship with alcohol. Maybe you don't depend on alcohol exactly, but you wonder why or whether you might be drinking too much. If you're wondering that, you do need to get it under control. You know, you say, say you don't have cravings when you go, go without drinking. All the same, a quick drink often turns into three or four. And when you're having a good time, you find it hard to stop, especially in the company of friends having the same amount. So knowing why you drink is really essential to what helps us control those cravings. It's a big deal. It's a big deal, and we have to take it seriously. 
you know, you also have to under that uh, it, it relieves stress when you know why you're drinking. It could be social events. It could be trouble at work. It could be insomnia. Becoming more aware of your alcohol triggers and reasons for drinking helps you plan ways to help manage yourself and the urge to drink. You also want to consider your approach. You might want to give up alcohol entirely. That may be the case. You don't want to give it up entirely, but maybe you're unsure about quitting completely. So why don't you pace yourself? Like I said, if you're going to have a drink, then have water, have juice, have something else, and then have another drink if that's what you're going to have. But do pace yourself so that you're not drinking to have like to to get water because you're thirsty you drink because you're enjoying the drink that's why we want to do drinking if we're going to drink let's enjoy the drink but let's not just guzzle it like it's water that's no way to live that's not the purpose of drinking it's not helping you that way so you're making it a problem when you drink it like you drink water not a good idea you also want to talk let others know that you're choosing to slow down or you're choosing to stop. So they may motivate you to stick with your decision and hold you accountable. They may even encourage you and they may even support you in many ways to get you to stop drinking. You know, and, and finding and reaching out to other sober people can also help. When, when you turn down a drink, people might ask why. Well, because I'm trying to slow down or I'm trying to stop. That's a noble thing. That's a great thing. That, that's called integrity. That makes you attractive. You know, you're, you're, you're not obligated to offer details, but it can help have a, a go-to response ready. I'm cutting back. Uh, I don't like the way drinking makes me feel. You know, you need, need to say more. Uh, if you have to, say no thanks. I, I don't have to have any other reasons not to drink. You know, we don't live apologetically. You also want to change your environment. That's huge. You know, if you... the, the Drinking makes you feel better, but here's the deal. If you drink at home, and home is the environment that you've made a drinking place, you have to understand that every time you're in that environment, you're going to be craving alcohol. So if you're going to introduce it into your home, it's going to be a problem. If you're only going to drink when you're at the bar, that can also be a problem because there's an endless supply of drinking and plus it costs a fortune. So, you know, we really have to understand that environment and whatever environment you put yourself in to drink has a lot to do with the problem itself. You know, the other thing is to have a replacement beverage that can help you stand firm on your desire to stop drinking. You know, it could be coffee, it could be water, it could be flavored sodas, teas, other beverages that can replace the alcohol. You know, and instead of taking a drink to calm anxiety, try affirmations, try deep breath, try meditation. Try actually solving something that you're anticipating before it happens so that you don't do it at the last minute. These are all things that help us as people. You know, anxiety is because we anticipate a catastrophe. So if you're going to sit around worrying all day long, that's called suffering. If you really want to relieve a lot of your suffering in life, the smartest thing to do is the minute that you start to catastrophize, actually conclude what you will do if that happens and then move on that's the way that we can relieve the suffering we don't have to relieve it by worrying 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 and then resulting in alcohol the other problem is if we comfort ourselves in our loneliness you know marriage is the loneliest place on the earth because you're trapped in this thing that may or may not be working and you cannot do anything outside of that and so a lot of people feel lonely because their partner's a turd and has nothing to do with them and doesn't communicate and is selfish or narcissistic or whatever, or maybe they're codependent. Who knows what they are, But or they're too busy doing everything else but being with you. There's obviously resentments. There's obviously anger at play, and you're lonely. Nobody to connect with. So guess what? We have social media and all these crazy places that people reach out and make big mistakes in their life because there's a lot of lonely people in the world. Unfortunately, lonely people also like to comfort themselves with alcohol. And so frequently, a lonely person will not only drink, but they'll get online and they'll do crazy things and then crazy things happen. And then they have to be accountable for that. You know, you've got to prepare. You've got to understand what's going to trigger you. And you've got to understand also what detox looks like. There's going to be a lot of anxiety, a lot of irritability, headaches, 
fatigue, insomnia, mood shifts that make you look like you're bipolar, shakes, sweating. You know, these are all detox from alcohol. And you need to understand that they all come with detoxing from alcohol, and it's painful. And that's why you don't want to do it alone. And, you know, quitting drinking can be stressful. But if you turn to alcohol to manage emotional distress, you know, the overwhelmingness to drink impulsively becomes very strong. And we have to control that urge. We have to replace that urge, and we have to understand how to prioritize our personal wellness, how to actually provide, uh, pro- actually put our human life, our health, our children, our family, our responsibilities, our job ahead of our alcohol. You want to eat regular balanced meals. You want to get regular physical activity, hiking, cycling, dancing, roller skating, fun ways to do that. Make better sleep a priority. And a good goal is seven to nine hours. And you also want to rediscover hobbies. Why not? Get out there. Instead of drinking, go out and have some fun. Do things you haven't done in a long time. And maybe you'd be surprised how well your body will adapt to it once you do it enough. You know, you might run into a whole lot of obstacles. But you write them down. You think about what your obstacles are. And you figure out a strategy how to get over them. All right, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. And you could do that at voiceamerica.com, the health and wellness and empowerment channels, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, foremost, to drink responsibly is to not spill it. Also, wine is cheaper than therapy. Also, vodka is not the answer, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> also, some people drink so others can be more fun to hang around with. That's others be more fun to be <laughs> hanging around with. Also, alcohol uh, may be a man's worth enemy, but the Bible says, love your enemy. That's Frank Sinatra. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 